Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 22. And Pastor Shane's going to be preaching uh, through some scriptures here this morning. This is a series we're in called History. Uh, it's, it's about bringing, um, bringing Jesus' story to life in our life. And Luke has given us a, a chronicle of Jesus' life in chronological order. And he's very uh, intentional about the details that he includes. And so uh, today, you know, we're, we're in the final hours of, of Jesus' life. And uh, it's special, special to go through slow and, and read it and soak soak in it. And uh, like I said last week, I'm praying for us to be able to soak it in a little bit deeper this year. So let me read this uh, from verse 39 to verse 62. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd. The man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw that what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with, with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you come out, against, uh, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man also was with, with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. 
But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as, as we gather together this day, we are mindful of your presence with us. We, we know you're here because your word says, um, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them also. And we've gathered in your name. You're the reason that we're here. And it's, it's our heart's desire to, to lift you up with our worship and, and to hear your voice through the word. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for the life you've given us in Jesus. We pray that spirit would bear the fruit of joy and love and peace in our hearts today as we watch Jesus being turned over and denied. Pray for Pastor Shane, Lord, that you might anoint him, his words, that they'd speak to our hearts today, that they'd have an impact beyond this hour, and that you'd use us, Lord, as we head out. Thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. Thank you for being here with us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I remember years ago, standing in a little old church with my grandpa. It was hymn time. And he was holding one side of the hymnal, you know, and I was holding the other other side like we used to do. And I remember singing with him the words, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters, lifted me, now safe am I, for love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. And I want you to know that it is in our passage of Scripture today that you and I are about to see an awakening. We're about to see a lifting that comes from love. It's a lifting that comes from love. It's a call that we find in our passage. A call to the sleeping. A call to the deceived. A call to the shackled and to the wandering. And the call says, drown no more, for love has come. And given that we're not promised tomorrow... I'm praying that your heart would see today as your opportunity. I'm praying that today your heart would see this moment as its chance to come alive. To awaken, to embrace the Son of God. To hear the call of your beloved. To awaken and to live as you never have before. For Psalm 30 verse 3 says, O Lord, Thou hast brought up my soul from the grave, that I should not go down to the pit. That's what God does in a heart. Pastor Greg read in our Scripture passage for us earlier, He read about the prayer in the garden with Jesus. He read of Jesus' arrest. 
Then he also read of Peter's denial. I want to focus specifically now on the last two verses of our passage, verses 61 and 62, where we're told that the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So, of course, for many of us, the story of Peter's denial is a familiar story. And so I thought rather than just retelling that story that we know so well, I would rather study the response. Let's look at the response to his denial. Okay, or we might say his awakening to his denial. Because understand that that this picture that we see of Peter in verses 61 and 62, it is a picture of each one of us who are called by the Son of God. Each one of us, Martin Luther, said of these two verses in Luke 22, 61 and 62, Martin Luther said, we can learn from this what true repentance is. What turning to God looks like. He's saying this is a picture of... Of it, said Luther. So in verses 61 and 62, we know that the Peter, he has now denied Jesus. Okay, he said, I do not know him. Understand that when Peter said, I do not know him, he was using some strong language. Okay, when Peter said of Jesus that I do not know him, recognize that that was a Jewish phrase that was used against those who had been banned from the synagogue. So Peter, understand that he's not just claiming ignorance. You know, he's not just saying, well, you know, Jesus, I, I, I don't know who Jesus is. I've never heard of, of this Jesus. Why would you think I would know anything about Jesus? Peter is not claiming ignorance when he says, I do not know him. Rather, he is intentionally renouncing his association with Jesus. I want nothing to do with this man, Peter is saying. It's not just denial, okay? It's not just denial, but it is a strong denial. It is a rejection. It is a choosing my way over his. It is crafting my agenda over my life, rather than around his desires, what he would long to see happen in me. Understand that when the heart rejects Christ, When the heart rejects Christ, it is an active, it is a conscious decision to reject Christ. Perhaps you've made a mistake in the past and you you thought, oh... You know, I forgot God on that one. You know, I was, I was, was in here and I, I forgot about what I was doing and where I was and, and who I was with and I, I just lost track of time and shoot, you know, I forgot about the Lord. We probably all thought that. But we rejected Him is what we did. We rejected Him. Now, it might not have felt like that. At the time, we may not have reasoned that in our head, but that was what was going on in our heart. We were rejecting God. That's what was going on with Peter. It's what goes on with us. I choose my way over God's way. But we can praise God this morning. We can praise Him because we can understand that there is a great hope for the rejectors. 
And we're going to see it. There's a great hope for rejectors. There's a hope that He will not hide His face from the sincere. He will never stop searching. He will never stop coming after those who seek Him not. So there's great hope this morning. In verses 61 and 62, we see an awakening to that hope. Though I reject, He comes flying after me. So in verse 61, we can understand that Jesus is in custody. He's been arrested. They're moving Him about. And in this scene, we see in verse 61, the two, meaning Jesus and Peter, they're in such a position uh, that, that Jesus, He was able to turn and look at Peter. Okay, Verse 61 says, The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. I found a painting uh, of that scene this week. I wanted to show it to you. But here we have the look of Jesus. Jesus looks straight at Peter. You know, I've been thinking about that look this week. You know, what that must have been like. I wouldn't doubt that when it comes to your you know, spouse or your mom and dad or your brother and sister, you know, they probably have something that you refer to as the look. Does anyone, has anyone ever received a look? You know, the look um, contains an incredible amount of truth in it. The look, it, it communicates so much. So much is expressed. You know, when you walk in the room, I mean, you just know when you see the look that something is out of whack. And you know, we're told in our scripture that Jesus, he looked at Peter. And I can only imagine that the look which Jesus gave to Peter, understand that while it would have been piercing, it was also soft. The look that Jesus gave. While, while it no doubt grieved, it was also welcoming. It was revealing, but it was also healing. It condemned, but the look of Jesus forgave. You know, the look of Jesus condemned, but it also forgave. Can you imagine Christ's eyes in that moment? I mean, what His look must have communicated to Peter. Understand that for the heart to awaken, the eyes of Christ must first turn to it. Okay, for the heart to awaken, the eyes of Christ must first turn to that heart. For my heart to awaken, I must have Jesus Christ look at me. Now, if you want a fancy word, I have a fancy word for you today. It's called effective calling. Okay, you can write it down. That's your fancy theological word that you can talk about over lunch. Effective calling. And theologians tell us that effective calling, it is an act of God in which He summons people to Himself in such a way that they respond in saving faith. It is an effective call. For my heart to awaken, the eyes of Christ must be turned upon me. And listen, when Christ is looking at me, I best be looking back. Right? When Christ is looking at me, I had best be looking back at Him. I must look at Jesus, the song, it said, Souls in danger, look above. 
Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by His love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea. Billows His will obey. He your Savior wants to be. Be saved today for love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. It says souls in danger look to Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus is looking at you today. Jesus Christ is looking at your heart today. Our boy Samuel, he's eight months old. And it's not uncommon, you know, Nicole and I will be sitting in the living room and watching basketball or whatever. And Samuel, he'll, he'll be down on the floor and, and playing and rolling around and having a good time. But often, the moment Nicole stands up from the couch and she begins to walk over to the kitchen, Sam just, he just freezes. You know, and his, his eyes, they get big and they get wide and then he gets this like red ring you know, around his eyes and his, his hands start going like this. But Nicole has a life, right? She has things she needs to do. So, so Nicole keeps going into the kitchen. And it doesn't fail that when she goes into the kitchen, what's he do? Blah! Blah! It sounds like that. If it grates on your nerves, welcome to my world. That's what it does to me too. It wears me out also. But he starts crying. Why? Because his mom, understand, his mom is the vision, right? His mom is the protector. His mom is the provider. She's the one source. They asked the woman, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping, woman? She said, they've taken my Lord away and I don't know where they have laid Him. Are you looking at Jesus today? Are you looking for the one source, the provider, the giver of all that is good? There are so many things for me to look at today, but I must understand that there is only one which is pure. There are so many things today for me to admire, but I must understand there is only one that is lovely. There is only one that is true and pure and worthy and right. How blessed is the heart that locks with the flash of his gaze. How blessed is the heart that locks with the flash of Christ's gaze. Awakening happens. Understand that when Jesus Christ looks at me, I had best be looking back. Because listen, crazy things happen from there. There are crazy otherworldly Things that go on once we start looking at Jesus Christ. Verse 61 tells us that after Jesus looked straight at Peter, it says, Then, after the look, then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken. And so I can understand that for my heart to awaken today, for my heart to come alive Today, I must hear the words of Jesus Christ. I must hear Jesus' words. Romans 10.14 asks, How can we believe in Him whom we have not heard? We must remember Jesus' words. 
John 15 says, we show ourselves to be disciples of Christ. How? If His words remain in us. If we remember, if we hear His words. Now what words did Peter remember? What words did Peter remember? Well, he remembered Luke chapter 22, verses 33 and 34, where Peter said to Jesus, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows this day, you will say three times that you don't know me. Peter remembered the words that Jesus had spoken. Has Jesus ever spoken to you? Has Jesus Christ, the living Christ, ever spoken to your heart? Have you heard Him speak? Can you, can you remember a time? You know, is there a moment, is there a, a situation when you just knew that it was Him and He was telling you to go here or He was telling you to do this or wait, He was, was calling you to, to leave You know, maybe that day, Jesus was asking you to look. Jesus was saying, hey, I'm here. Turn your eyes towards me. You see me. You watch me. He said, but we didn't. Whatever the call was, whatever the word was, we didn't listen. We didn't respond. And to quote Tolkien, and some things that should not have been forgotten were lost. We didn't listen. And some things that should not have been forgotten were lost. Deuteronomy 32.18 says, You left God, who is the rock, your father, and you forgot, it says. It says you forgot the God who gave you birth. Understand that for our hearts to awaken today, we must Remember His words. We must hear His words like it was the first time in your life. Hear His words where He said, I have come to give you life. He said, I've come to give it to you, you full. I've come as a light into this world to bring you up out of the darkness, He said. Remember the word that He gave you. Can you remember this morning what He spoke to you? When you heard Jesus, what did He say to you? Remember the word that you heard as you walked out one morning and you were standing out there on the porch and you just knew that it was God speaking to your heart You know, as you walked down the aisle, as you waited in the doctor's office that day, you know, as you held your baby's, baby's hand and Jesus, you, know, you just knew He was communicating love to your heart, but you forgot. So today, may our hearts awaken. May we remember the call. Remember what He said to you today. Think back and remember. Peter remembered. In our passage, Jesus looked at Peter. He heard the word. He remembered the word. And we see in verse 62 that his heart awoke. Peter's heart Awoke. In other words, he responded to the look of Christ. He responded to the word and his heart awoke within him. For the scripture says, and Peter went outside 
and wept bitterly. Peter went outside and wept bitterly. I've been thinking for weeks, really, about what that scene must have looked like, what was going on in his heart, in his mind in that, in that moment. It says, he went outside and wept bitterly. And in the past, of course, you know, I've always thought, well, why, why is he weeping? You know, because he denied Jesus, right? I mean, that, that's, that, that's why the grief, and it was a terrible thing, it was a willful, purposeful, hateful thing that came from his heart. So certainly, that led to the response that he had. You know, but this week, I've just been wondering, what if his grief was greater than we've ever even guessed at? Okay, what if, what if his grief, maybe what his heart was going through, was more than just the devastation of denial? What if there was more happening in his heart that caused the weeping? I mean, I wonder if when the Son of God, the glory of the Son of God, the Son of God's stare, when it broke through the darkness, what exactly, how much, how fully did it reveal truth to Peter? Because I'm thinking there was probably more than just denial that Peter saw when he walked outside. It wasn't just denial that Peter saw in that moment. In his awakening, it wasn't the, the, the sole situation, the sole case of denial. But rather, Peter saw it all. It all came rushing back to him. All the moments that he'd failed, all the moments that he'd, he'd tripped up, that he'd messed up. When Jesus looked, and he heard the word, and he remembered, it all came rushing back. I've looked through uh, scripture this week to find some examples of what would have been going on in Peter's heart, what Jesus would have been awakening at that moment. You know, I thought about Matthew 14, when Peter doubted. You know he was thinking about that moment. Uh, The disciples, they were out on the water, and it was dark, and it was stormy, and they were freaking out. And then they saw somebody walking across the water, and they said, It's a ghost! But Jesus said, no, it's me. And and Peter said, if it's you, Lord, you you asked me to come out on the water. And so Jesus said, okay, Peter, you come on out. And so Peter began to walk on the water. But the scripture says that he saw the waves and the wind and all that blowing around him. He began to sink down into the water. And so Jesus grabbed him and lifted him out. And he said, Peter, why did you doubt me? You know, why did you have so little faith in this moment when I was right here in front of you looking at you? You know, I can imagine that night that Peter, while he remembered his denial, you know, he also remembered his doubt. You know, I wonder if he thought about Matthew chapter 16, where we're told that he hindered the Christ. Peter hindered. You know, if you remember that particular story, Jesus, he told his disciples that I'm going into Jerusalem and I'm going to be crucified and then after three days I'm going to rise again. But Peter said, no, Lord, no, I'm not going to, that will never happen to you, Jesus. And what did Jesus say? He said, get behind me, Satan. What a terrible thing to be called by Jesus. 
Satan. You know, I was thinking a lot of us, a lot of us dream and, and certainly hope that we will see that day when we hear the words, good and, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, we want Jesus to call us that. But do we ever think, well, he'll call some Satan. There's some he'll say, get behind me. Will he say that of you? You know, uh, Peter, I'm sure that, that he saw his denial in that moment in verse 62. I'm sure that he saw his doubt. But, you know, I bet he also saw the way that he hindered Christ. How about the way that he argued? And he's always arguing with Jesus. John chapter 13, Jesus said, listen, I want to wash your feet. Peter said, no, you're not going to wash my feet, Lord. He argued with the Son. In Luke 22, we read in our passage about how the disciples fell asleep. Okay, Peter was in that group. Jesus was weeping. He was agonizing, preparing to face this hate. And yet his disciples simply fell asleep. You know, it's interesting. Uh, in the Matthew account, we're actually told that they fell asleep three times. So in our Luke account, it just said they fell asleep once. But in Matthew, we can read about how Jesus said, hey, pray. They fell asleep. Jesus said, get up. They fell asleep again. Jesus said, come on, let's pray. And then it was too late. Okay, there would have been grief there for Peter. Like, man, the, the moment, it was right here. This, this was last, last night. I mean, here, here was Jesus Christ. He was calling me to pray. He was calling me to do His work. But I fell asleep. He wept over denial. He wept over doubt. He wept over the way he hindered. He wept over the way he argued. He wept over, certainly, the way that he slept. What about the way that he fought? The way that he fought. You know, it was Peter that cut off the servant's ear. Now, in our passage in Luke, uh, it just says one of them cut off the servant's ear. And actually, you find that true in Matthew and Mark as well. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of those Gospels just say someone. One of them, one of the disciples cut off the ear. But it's John that spills the beans. Now, I don't know if John and Peter, you know, did they have something going? And John was like, I'm going to zing him. It's Peter that did that. But John 18 tells us uh, that it was Peter that fought and... You know, you can certainly find just all kinds of examples, um, mess-ups that Peter had. Uh, you know, I think about in Luke uh, chapter 22, verse 54. You know, it says that, G- that Peter, after Jesus was arrested, it said he followed at a distance. You know, right after that moment, you know, Peter followed at a distance. He'd walked by his side for years. But when the moment came, he followed you know, far behind, how telling that was of where his heart was, where our hearts are. You know, Jesus looked at Peter and Peter remembered. He remembered all that the Lord had told him. He remembered all of the, the ways that he had failed. He doubted, he hindered, he argued, he slept, he fought, he followed far behind. His transgressions were great. How much greater are mine? At least Peter went out. At least Peter got out of the boat. How much greater are my transgressions? How much more blatant and rampant 
are my sins. You know, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, uh, when I was in seminary in Cincinnati, this is one of the first verses that I preached on, but it was one of the, it's the last verse in the Gospel of John. And I love it because it said, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. I mean, that's a cool verse, you know. And I love that verse. But honestly today, I can honestly imagine that if every one of my sins were written down, listen, if every one of my errors and hiccups and on my own were written down, the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. Every thought, every look, every worry, concern, hateful thought, there wouldn't be enough room in the world for books about shame. I mean, understand today that if, if our lives, if they were laid out unshielded before God, Listen, if your heart was laid out unshielded before a holy and righteous God, it would be nothing more than a pile of ash. Do you know that today? Listen, if your heart was laid out before a holy and righteous God, it would amount to nothing more than a pile of ash, a stinking pile of ash, a sulfurous, putrid pile of ash, that would be our life before a holy God. Peter saw that. You know, he saw that in verse 62, guys. He saw his books opened up before him. And he awoke. You know, what a gift when our hearts do not look away in that moment, when we do not turn away from Christ, but what a gift when you and I look at Jesus, remember we hear His words, and we know. I mean, do not understand this moment. You know, when we read, you know, well, Peter went outside and wept bitterly. I mean, man, that's negative. That's bad, you know, to weep bitterly. This is not a bad thing for Peter. Okay, this is a good moment. This is a good thing for Peter. This is not same old Peter. Okay, this is not a Peter that is drowning in verse 62. This is a Peter that is coming to life. He's rising up. When you read that he wept bitterly, know that it is a beautiful bitterness. Why is it beautiful? It's beautiful because it shows us godly sorrow. That's why it's a beautiful bitterness. Because it's godly sorrow. It's God-inspired sorrow. And godly sorrow is a beautiful thing to have. 2 Corinthians 7.10 And I love this verse. It says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. And then listen, I mean that's pretty good, you know, that, that part. But it even gets better. You want to hear the end of it? And leaves no regret. <laughs> That's an awesome verse. I, 
I don't think you get how awesome it is. Let me read it again. It says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. That's awesome. Godly sorrow is saying weeping, you know, bitterly, the grief, the regret. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Martin Luther said, the beginning of repentance, the beginning of repentance comes when the heart truly recognizes its sin and allows itself to be in sorrow. Okay? Luther said, the beginning of repentance comes when the heart truly recognizes sin and allows itself to be in sorrow. You know, as we talk about responding to God, you know, sometimes I wonder if I've sorrowed over my sin enough. Have we sorrowed enough over our sin. Have I have I fully recognized the depth of it, the ugliness of my sin? Have I truly sorrowed? Has there been a time in my life when I grieved like Peter grieved in verse 62? When I went outside and I cried out and I wept bitterly. Have I sorrowed enough in my heart for great has been my sin? And enough books could fill the whole world of Shane's sin. I've been deliberate. I've been selfish. How much, much like Peter am I? I'm so much like him. And listen, when I'm talking about, you know, when I'm talking about sorrow, I'm not talking about, you know, living in sorrow. Okay, we can understand that in Jesus Christ, hey, I am forgiven and I am freed. But where was that moment in your life? Where was that moment when there was true sorrow over my sin? Godly sorrow. For godly sorrow, Corinthians says, it brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Understand that sorrow over our sin is a healthy thing. To be sorrowed over my sin is good for me. It's a good sign. How do we know that? Second Corinthians 7, it goes on, speaking of sorrow. Listen to all that sorrow does in this verse. It's going to tell you, this is what your godly sorrow is going to accomplish in you. So listen. It says, see what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness. Okay, that's a good thing. It says, Godly sorrow produces earnestness within you. What eagerness. Okay, sorrow, it produces earnestness. It says it produces eagerness. That's a good thing. What indignation. What alarm. What longing. What concern. What readiness to see justice done. Sorrow. It says does all of those things. Godly sorrow works that in your heart. Earnestness, eagerness, indignation, alarm, longing, concern, readiness to see justice done. Understand today that godly sorrow 
is part of God's work in you. Godly sorrow is part of God's good work in me. And in fact, not only is it part of a work, but I'd suggest to you that it's the beginning of something great. Okay, I would suggest to you today that godly sorrow is the beginning of something crazy, something otherworldly that I referred to earlier. Something that is more than you could have ever imagined if we but had truly looked at Jesus, heard His words, and responded appropriately. With a sorrowed heart, recognizing, truly understanding, seeing our sin. We're told that Peter wept in verse 62. As I think of it, you know, I struggle to find examples where tears in the Christian life are a bad thing. I struggle to find examples, situations where tears in the Christian life are a bad sign. I mean, do tears, do they not reveal need? Do tears, do they not reveal tenderness, toil? Do they not reveal an understanding? And it says, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Understand that tears are there for the Christian. Tears are there when God is there for the Christian. When I have tears, God is here. Now the, you know, the Arthurs, take a brief path down into genetics. Um, the Arthur family tree, you know, historically, uh, Arthurs are not known for their tears. And I have a couple of theories about why that might be, but that we don't need to do that today. But I'll tell you this, that I praise God for tears. I praise Him when they come, and I can honestly tell you that I plead with Him for more. For more tears. Are you asking God for more tears? Because listen, when there are tears for the Christian, there is God for the Christian. Now I want to weep more. I want to weep with my king. When our passage says Peter went outside and wept bitterly, we can understand that when Peter wept, he wasn't going down into the grave. He was coming up out of it. When Peter wept, he wasn't watering flowers that were around a coffin. When Peter wept, it was like Lazarus bursting forth from the tomb. It was a good thing when his sorrowed heart wept. It was not an end for Peter, but it was a beginning. It was not an end, but it was a beginning because it was the beginning of his repentance. I've used repentance uh, several words or several times this morning. What does that mean to repent? To repent means to turn from one's sin. We see the beginning of Peter's repentance here in his response. To repent means to turn from my sin. It's the process or it's the act of turning away from all which is not of God. Now I've got my, you know, my bookshelf over here. 
And we can imagine that in this bookshelf are all my sins. Okay, everything that I, that I love, everything that I hold dear, you know, I'll just spend day after day, I'll just look at, look at my bookshelf with my books, and oh, I just, I just love, I love, you know, each and every, every one of them. Some of them cause me trouble, but, you know, I love, I love my books. And so every one of us, you know, at some point in life, we've got this bookshelf that, that we're holding on to, But then the moment comes when Jesus looks at us. Jesus calls me. And so for a lot of us, when we heard Jesus' call, what did we do? Well, we turned away from our sin. And man, we started walking, you know, walking after Jesus. We thought, hot dog, you know, this is great. And you know, Peter did that. You know, Peter did that. Back at the beginning of the Gospels, you know, Jesus was out and he said, Peter, come up out of that boat and I will make you fishers of men. And what did Peter do? He got out of the boat. He said that, that he left his boat behind. So Peter got out and he followed Jesus, just like, just like you and I do. But you know what happens is, you know, we start out following Jesus, but, but we remember this big and beautiful cherry bookshelf, you know, that, that we had. And we remember all of the, all of the, the, the good things, things that, you know, man, they felt so sweet, they pleased me so much, and, and so what happens is, you know, we know Jesus is over here, but, you know, we tend to kind of walk back and, oh, I remember this one, and, and Jesus is calling, you know, I kind of thought about, like, did your mom ever, like, want to take you to the library? And so she was, like, in the van, and you were inside getting your shoes on, and you took a little longer than she thought you were supposed to. And what's she do? You know, she starts honking the horn. I mean, let's go. It's time to go. You know, I mean, this Jesus, the same thing happens with us. Because you and I, we're back here and, and Jesus is out and he's honking the horn. Let's go, man, let's go. And so you and I, were, well, okay, I'm going to come, but here. I'm not, I'm going to leave most of it, Lord, but let me get, and he's honking. I'm, I'm coming, hang on. I'm coming. I'm getting, please zip it up. We put our back. All right, I'm ready to go. Is that repentance? You know, is that truly, fully, completely, is that turning from our sin? You know, we can understand. Listen, Peter, he didn't leave it all in his boat that day. When Jesus first called him, I'll make you a fisher. Jesus got out of the boat, but he didn't leave it all. He took things with him. You know, he took things with him that weakened. He took things with him that that hurt and that troubled. What are you holding on to today, Street? You know, listen to me. What are you holding on to today? I'm not even asking for a definitive answer here. Like, well, I'm, I'm definitely holding on to this. Or, yes, I know this, this is what it is. What possibly? Maybe we need to start asking that. Maybe we need to start, stop looking right at the obvious and start praying, God, what could possibly be in my heart that is hindering your work in my life? What are you definitely holding on to today? What are you 
possibly, what could there possibly be that you're holding on to today that is keeping you from all that God is? From all that God has? What do you hold on to? Because understand that the call that we're given is to lose all in the power of Christ through the strength of Him, for the glory of Him. We're called to lose all. It was a wonderful thing when that moment began. That repenting, awakening moment. It was a wonderful thing for Peter. And you might say, you know, well, Shane, how do you, you know, how do you know that? I mean, he, he's messed up constantly. Now he's just weeping outside. I mean, why is that a, a good thing? It would not be fair to not hear the rest of the story. It would not be fair to only read about Peter's folly in the Gospels and not read of his triumph in Acts. So I'm not going to do that to him. It would not be fair. Because we can understand from that moment, from that repenting, that turning away from sin, that awakening moment in verse 62, from that moment, listen, God blew the chains off of Peter. I mean, it was crazy. It was otherworldly. It was like, how did we get here? In Acts, we can read about how Peter stood. Yeah, Peter. Peter stood. We can read about how Peter led. How he preached. How he healed. How he suffered. How he prayed. In fact, Peter, get this. Okay? I mean, this is going to blow your socks off. Peter. Now, I'm talking about denial Peter. Do you know what he was known for in Acts? His courage. (laughs) That's crazy. I mean, that is only God that can do that in a heart. Acts 4.13. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and realized he was unschooled and ordinary, they were astonished and took note that he had been with Jesus. They were astonished with Peter, with doubting, with denying, with what am I doing, Lord? They were astonished with him. I mean, how God is that? How God is that? That understand that that He can take this. He can take, maybe it's more than this for you. Maybe it's these. Okay, maybe it's not just this for you today. Maybe it's these. Maybe there are a lot of things that you are holding on to today. But understand how God is that, that He can take all of these things. He can take our weaknesses. He can take our burdens. He can take our our troubles, our temptations. He can take all of those things and He can wow the world with it. That's crazy. He took denying Peter and made him into a man of courage. And He can do that in you. He can do that in your heart today. For He is looking at you. He's calling out, remember, and may we respond today. Because it is only God. Okay, understand, as I'm talking about you know, leaving my sin behind, don't miss. It is only God. It is only the person. It is only the work of Jesus Christ that can do that within you. 
Okay, there is no other. There's no secret formula that I can produce. It is only the person and the work of Jesus Christ that can accomplish that within me. And know that that, that miracle-working, life-transforming God is looking at you today. The song says, All my heart to Him I give. Ever to Him I'll cling, in His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best songs. Faithful, loving, service to, to Him belongs, for love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me all my heart, it says, to Him I give, ever to Him I'll cling, in His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love, it says. Love. Love lifted me in heart. Love will lift you today. It'll lift you up today. Really, all I know to tell you (laughs) is the lighter that this bag becomes, the brighter He is. We all have things. I've got things. You know, man, we want to take them along with us. We're we're scared. We feel like, man, I'd just be jumping into the water. There wouldn't be a life jacket. I mean, all I've known is life with what I hold on to. But I'm testifying to you today that the lighter this becomes... The sun will only become brighter, only be bigger in your life. That's why we've got to drop it, guys. That's why we've got to drop it all. If you close your eyes and pray with me, and as we said, you know, God, what, what could I possibly be holding? What am I clearly holding today? Listen, when the Son of the Almighty Creator looks at you and you look at Him, it is His strength, it is His lightness, it is His love for purity that takes over your heart. Whatever possibly you're holding today, whatever you're definitely holding today, would you let it go for Him to fully hear His voice? Guys, He is so bright. He is so perfect. He is so filling and satisfying. Don't hold on to a book, a book of the past, a book of sin. Let it go. Let it go today. Leave it behind. Turn your back from sin. He's calling out to you. Turn your back from sin and follow after Him. And how faithful He is to transform, to make us look more like Him. Jesus is faithful. He's done it again and again and again. He did it in Peter and He'll do it in me. 
I just want to encourage you today, if there's something that, that you have in your heart that you're ready to leave behind, before you leave this morning, I want to encourage you, text someone, okay? Tell someone, you don't even have to be specific, but tell them, I'm leaving something behind today. I'm leaving it behind. As we go out, Gavin's going to run the um, run that video again, and I just I, I dare you, you know, if you feel Jesus looking at you, if you feel Jesus calling out to you, I dare you to come down front. I dare you to sit at the altar and just call out to Him and say, "Jesus, here I am." I dare you to step out for Him today.